You guys did great on that one. Good job. I'm going to put this guy right here. Great. We're going to keep going with our lesson, guys. This is part, what part is this? I don't even know. Part four? Part four of our series called The Villain. And um, I'm going to do it because I got to do it. But I, what, we, what the series is, is examining bad guys from the Bible and asking, how am I like that? And today, we're going to look at probably like the most classic New Testament bad guy. And you might be thinking one of a couple things. But what we're going to talk about today is the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees are kind of like your classic New Testament bad guy. And the good news is uh, we are nothing like them. Thank God we're nothing like the Pharisees people because that would be tragic. Um, Actually, we're exactly like them. And that's the whole point of this lesson. If you don't remember, if you remember over a year ago, though, when we were in, like, full-on lockdown, we were getting ready for the election, and I did a a midweek series on politics. And one of those, it was actually like part three of that series, was called Difference. Um, So that series was called Opposing Faiths, and the third part was called Differences. And it was... Uh, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. Or it's on YouTube, because that's how we were doing things back then. But um, the idea was that we, even this small group of people right here, if you were to like chart us out on our own ideological, political spectrum, we, can, we would kind of like span a lot of, uh, of, of distance here. And we think, somehow, we think that back then... Like, we read the Bible and we think, okay, there were Jews and Gentiles, and, and that's it. Turns out, there was tons of diversity amongst the Jews. And so I would encourage you to go back. We looked at, like, everything from the Sadducees and the Essenes and the Pharisees and the, uh, uh, what else do we, the Zealots and the Herodians. They were all Jewish, and yet they lived very different lives, and they just looked at the world very differently. And in that, I said, hey guys, we shouldn't like trash the Pharisees. They're not, they're not like the bad guy in the New Testament. Uh, it, the Sadducees were way worse than them. And so, uh, I'm, I'm not going to repeat everything from that. But we're going to look at the Pharisees today because I think there's so many ways that we are like them. I'm going to look at one main verse. And then we're going to kind of break it down, okay? Let's read this whole thing. Matthew 23, 1 through 7. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads. And put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces 
and to be called rabbi by others. I'm just going to take that one chunk, okay? And this, this has all three of our points this morning in it, okay? So if we check it out, we're going to first, the thing we're going to talk about is this idea of hypocrisy. Jesus rebukes them over and over for hypocrisy, and we're going to look at that. And then the second thing he calls them out on is this lack of compassion. That they will obey the letter of the law over actually loving people and taking care of people. And then lastly, he just calls them out for their pride. He's like, you love to be first, but you are so prideful. And so that's our three points this morning. We're going to look at that. And then I want us to really, I mean, hopefully that's what this whole series has been. It's like we're looking at something and I want you to think like, man, is that in me? And you might look at this list and be like, no, I'm not a hypocrite. No, I have lots of compassion and I'm, I'm a pretty humble person. I, I don't want you to sit through this saying that. I, if we're going to be good disciples of Jesus, we actually have to do the opposite of that. Not keep telling ourselves over and over that we're not, we don't have any problems. I want us to get good at saying like, well, where is that in my heart? Not, it's not there, don't look for it. So, that's going to be our, our challenge, okay? And then, I swear, James is going to come up and, and talk about Jesus a, in the communion, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to, like, rebuke us and, like, slash our hearts open, okay? James is going to come and fill us up with hope. <laughs> because Jesus died for our sins. So, for, point number one is hypocrisy. Now, if, if someone were to just stop me on the street and be like, Ben, are you a hypocrite? I'd be like, whoa, no. Um... And that's just our gut level, very defensive reaction. The word hypocrite is a bad word in our society. And I don't want us to be hypocrites, but I want us to look for hypocrisy. So this is what he said. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. So he's saying... To, the, to their ministers of the day. They're saying, he's saying, hey, the things they're telling you, it's right. It's right. And if you, if you listen to them and you live that way, you'll be good for it. But if you listen to them and then watch them and then do the things they do, you won't be good. Because they don't live the way that they teach. We might know this scripture. This is later same section, but a few verses later, this is what Jesus like starts really going hard on him for this stuff, okay? He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also, also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And I mean, if Jesus said that to me at a dinner party, I would be squirming in my seat. And yet, this is what Jesus said to them. And so a couple things. What we start to see is this, this contrast, 
of the inside and the outside. He contrasts earlier, he contrasted what they teach and what they do. And now he's narrowing it down and he's saying, on the outside you look okay, but on the inside you're messed up. And that is why I'm, la- I'm calling you a hypocrite. And so there's a two different ways to, to think about hypocrisy, okay? And this kind of wraps up both of them. But I want us to just, I just want us to do the work of like understanding that there's two different things. So one is what he said in, at the beginning. Like you, you have this outward facing, like this is what I'm saying, but inside I'm going to do something else, okay? So on the outside it's good, on the inside it's bad. And then on, when he goes after him and he's talking about the whitewashed tombs, he's like, you're like a tomb and it's painted. And so on the outside you look pretty, but on the inside it's death and rot and grossness. And so we can think of hypocrisy like that. Like I'm putting on a mask, I say the right things, I do the right things, and, and then on the inside I'm full of hatred. Okay? But there's another kind of hypocrisy that's almost the exact opposite. And that's where it's on the inside, I believe a certain thing. I believe the right thing on the inside, up here. And so if you were to quiz me, like, what, you know, is Jesus the Son of God? Yes, he's the Son of God. Is the Bible the Word of God? Yes, the Bible's the Word of God. Like, there's, there's good things inside, and yet, if you follow me around, my life doesn't actually show that. So now the outside is wicked, even though the inside is good. Does that make sense? I just need us to like understand that hypocrisy is not just one thing. It's actually kind of both things. And they swirl around and they make our lives super messy. Now we might, this might uh, bring to mind another scripture from 1 Timothy that we all know and love. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. For if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers, the people that are listening to you. And that's Paul talking to Timothy, another minister. But he's saying, you've got these two things. You've got your life, what you believe, or your, your actions. You've got your doctrine, which is what you believe. You've got the things you do and the things that you say you believe. And do they match? And it's the easy way out is to lower our standards. Like, what's the lowest common denominator? Can I, like, lower my expectations for what Christianity is so that it matches what I'm doing? And that's easy. We can do that, right? So I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to, whatever it is I'm doing, that's my new doctrine. And that's, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll be very, I won't be a hypocrite. And the problem with that is, uh, that, that's not right either. There is a standard that we don't get to set. And so we are now in this space. If you have a standard, like the Bible, if you have a standard, you're always at risk of being a hypocrite. Because you're, you may sin, and now your life does not match your doctrine. And so if you want to avoid hypocrisy, the best thing to do is to have no standards for your life or behavior. And then whatever you do, you're being your most authentic you, no hypocrisy. And I'm, what I'm saying is that's not good. So we're always going to be walking that line of, maybe I am a hypocrite. Maybe my life and my and my. What I, what I do and what I believe aren't lining up. And we have to kind of live in that scary place where people might look at us and they might form a judgment about us and they might discern some things about our life. And that's what I want to go to next. So here's a question for you. What do I need to change 
so that my life reflects God. But I'm going to add to this, okay? One of the most scariest parenthetical statements. Even under scrutiny. What do I need to change so that my life reflects God even under scrutiny? Because if I just left it, the, if I just said, hey, what do I need to change so that my life reflects God? I might come up with lots of different things. But as soon as I invite someone to look and assess me and judge me and say, hey, this is what I see. If we open up the hood, if we like pull back the curtain, here's what I see in your life. And the Pharisees had constructed a world where they were exempt from scrutiny. And Jesus shows up and he's scrutinizing them. And so no one talked to the Pharisees the way Jesus talked to the Pharisees. And yet, in my humble opinion, our entire modern form of Christianity is the Pharisees. It looks good from a distance. It looks good at arm's length. It looks good as long as you don't examine it too closely. And if you ever try, you might get the most unchristlike response. And so what do I want? I want us to be the people that are like opening up our lives. Like, hey, look at look inside my marriage. Look at how I treat my wife. Look at how Look at how we relate to one another. Hey, here, let me open up about sexual purity. I want you, I want you to see, and I want, to, I want to be honest about stuff. Open up my finances. Hey, this is, this is how much money I make, and this is how much money I spend, and this is what I spend it on. Open up about our parenting, about emotional health, about mental health. Like, hey, this is what my life actually looks like. And you can feel free to tell me what you think about it. The lives of Christians should actually be on display for examination and refining. And yet, those areas that I just mentioned, those are where Christians will straight up fight you. Don't you dare ask me about any of that stuff. So my fear is that Christians today have it wrong just the same way the Pharisees had it wrong back then. It's easy to kind of put this face on. And we're going we're gonna to do this thing, which is you ask how I'm doing, I say fine, I show up at church, leave me alone. And I don't want us to make the same mistake. I don't want us to be whitewashed tombs. <sighs> That's point number one, guys. That's hypocrisy. Here we go. Here's point number two. Lack of compassion. The Pharisees, so let's go back to what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And what he's talking about is the teachers of the law and the Pharisees would say, oh, here's here's how you obey the law. And, And then they would expect the people to just do that without any help or assistance or relationships or anything. And it was, it was seen as this very burdensome, um, like, the, like the law was almost impossible to obey. And so there's a story that you might remember uh, called the Good Samaritan. And we're going to look at it. We're actually going to look at it twice for two totally different reasons. 
But it's in Luke 10, starting in verse 25. Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Super popular uh, like Sunday school lesson about this guy who gets robbed and he's left for dead on the side of the road. And then people come by to help. And they're like, and, and they see who he is. And this is a classic example of a story that's about someone who is following the rules. Like the priest, the Levite, they're like, I can't touch, I can't touch a dead body. Or I've got places to be, so I'm not going to help this guy. So they put the law above Loving this person, okay? The law above love. And this is what, this is part of what Jesus was saying with the Good Samaritan. He, they didn't realize that the, that the law was meant to help you love people, help you love God. And so Jesus commonly rebuked the people for saying, yeah, you did the things that the, that the law told you to do, but you, you, your heart was messed up and you didn't actually love them. I would rather, God would rather you have compassion and mercy and show justice instead of just, you know, doing the thing, going through the motions. And so this is what the Pharisees, the Pharisees were like so good at, at their Bible, their, their, their Bible of the day. And they, they put that. And this is why I actually really respect the Pharisees. If you, if you go back and listen to what we said last year about the Pharisees, one of the things that the Pharisees thought was like, hey, the Zealots, they are trying to kill the Romans. And the Sadducees and the Herodians, they're trying to make deals with the Romans. We are just going to follow the word of God and leave it up to God. And we trust that God is going to take care of the Romans. They, they believed that. And so they were like, and so why were the Pharisees so mad at like the sinners? Because they saw that as like, well, you're, you're the reason, like when you're in sin and the nation's in sin and then God might be punishing us and you're the reason, your sin is the reason why God hasn't taken care of the Romans yet because we're not pure, we're not righteous. And so there's part of me that like really respects the, the Pharisees that way. But day to day, when it came down to a decision to make, do I help this person or do I, is that person an obstacle of me obeying the law? Like even when Jesus would heal someone on the Sabbath, and they'd be like, you can't heal someone on the Sabbath? He's like, are you serious? I can't heal this guy on the Sabbath? Like, no, that breaks the law. So here's my question. Does the world see God through the way I care for people? Or do we say, Here's, here's, here's what I think a, a good West Michigan, you know, churchy folk answer would be. Well, the world sees God through the way I obey the Bible. And that's exactly the Pharisee problem. Is that Jesus is trying to say, those aren't separate. You can't, you can't refuse to love people, refuse to take care of people, and then say, but I'm following the Bible. And that's how I'm going to be a shining light of hope in the dark, dark, dark and lost world, or whatever. So if I phrase it this way, does that poke our hearts a little bit more? We go, oh yeah, that, that hurts a little bit more. Jesus wanted them and wants us to see that, that obeying the Bible and taking care of people are not totally separate things, okay? But that's what the Pharisees did. They put the law Above loving people. 
And so I just got one more for us, guys. Pride. This is, um, we're going to do, we could do a whole series just on this. Here's what Jesus said, back to our original verse. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. And they love to be called rabbi by others. It's all about this show, this outward showiness. I'm the man. I know everything. I, I'm, I get the place of honor. When I walk in the room, I want everyone to be like, Oh, Rabbi, come here. Have, here's have a seat. Oh, oh, we've been waiting for you. Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, Oh, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's their whole goal in life is to, to be that guy. And um, what the Pharisees had, this is super silly, they had a case of what I like to call the Oh, I knows. They had a case of the oh, I knows. When you ask them a question or try to challenge them, oh, I know. Oh, I know. The, the two most prideful words in the entire English language are I know. But a case of the oh, I knows is we have to, we have to like help the kids with this all the time. And I'm not, calling, I'm not calling them out. But I think every parent knows this. Like when you're trying to train your kids and they act like they're, like your kids act like they have all the knowledge of the entire universe stored up in their, like, 15-year-old brain. And, like, you don't know anything. And so when you try to correct them, they're like, oh, I know. And I'm like, stop saying that. Please stop saying that. It's driving me crazy. You have a case of the, oh, I know. And I literally just took this picture on Friday when I went to pick up pizza because the domino sign was burnt out. I was like, this is beautiful. I love this. It's a sign from the Lord. <laughs> So let's go back to the Good Samaritan. This is, this is another reason. So why did Jesus say the parable of the Good Samaritan? There's actually two reasons. One was what we looked at before. But there was another reason. And I'm gonna, we're going to dig into it a little bit. So the parable of the Good Samaritan starts off with uh, a teacher of the law, an expert in the law, comes to Jesus and asks him a question. Now that guy was probably a Pharisee. If you go back through the different sects of um, Judaism, that guy was probably a Pharisee. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, here's a question. Jesus answers the question and asks another question. He's like, oh, I have the answer to that. The, oh, I know. And then he, if you look in, in Luke, he, he says, but he wants to justify himself. And so he asks a follow-up question. But who is my neighbor? And he wants to justify himself to Jesus. And so Jesus starts the story. And he starts with a priest. So a man gets robbed. Doesn't say what kind of man. A man gets robbed and a priest comes along. Now that priest was probably one of the Sadducees. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a very interesting relationship. And sometimes they were kind of at odds with each other. The Pharisees felt like they were a more pure form of Judaism. Not corrupted by power like the, like the Sadducees were. And so he says a priest comes and he sees the man and goes away, walks on the other side of the room. He's like, then a second man comes and that is a Levite, also probably a Sadducee. And he comes and he ignores the man too. And then a third man comes. And now the Pharisee, the expert in the law, might be thinking, yeah, here we go. 
This is exactly what my heart wants. My heart wants to be justified. My heart, I have a case of the, oh, I knows. I'm, he's going to say, the pure spiritual Pharisee is the third guy that comes along. And he says, it's actually a Samaritan who's not even really Jewish. He's the guy that helps. And now the Pharisee, the expert in the law, is like, well, wait, where, where am I in this story? And so Jesus does this a couple times, where he'll tell a story, and if you're listening, and you're, you're in that culture, you're like, oh, I know where this is going. Read the parable of the sheep and the goats, where Jesus is like, there, there's, there's two types of people. There's the goats and the sheep, and the goats are bad and evil, and they're horrible. And then there's the sheep, and every, all, the, all the people sitting around would be like, I'm a sheep. And then Jesus is like, actually, it's not you. It's the people that do this and that do this and that do this. And so he regularly tells a story that has like this first level, this first level meaning, which is like, yeah, it's a lesson about compassion. Who is my neighbor? Here's here's the neighbor. But it's also, I am going to like stick it to this dude. This guy thinks, he's got a case of the oh I knows. This guy thinks he's right, so I'm going to like jab him a little. I'm going to like <laughs> get him. And he's going to feel something. And it might not be good. It might, might feel like, it might be upsetting. But this is how Jesus regularly kind of taught these things. And he kind of lulls you into this false sense of security about your religious pride and then he's like, pulls the rug out from underneath you. And he's, you're like, whoa, that's not where I thought this was going. He lets them embrace pride. And then he pokes that pride. Or he all out attacks that pride viciously. But here's my question for us. Do I let Jesus attack my pride? And guys, this is something that we need to get really good at. We're, we are bad at this. Like, not just us here in this room. Everybody is bad at this. And you can say you're humble as long as no one attacks your pride. I get to construct it. I get to make up my humility. I get to define it on my terms. But do we let Jesus jab us? Do we let Jesus poke us? Do we let Jesus, Jesus stab us? Do we let Jesus disrupt us? Do we let Jesus push all of our buttons? If we don't, then we demonstrate we are just like the Pharisees. And here's what we might say. Jesus can totally attack my pride. All he needs to do is part the clouds, rays of light, Jesus descends from heaven, approaches me in robes and shining white hair, and say, here's where you need to repent, and I will repent. But if he sends another person in my life to attack my pride, I will kill that person. And we couldn't be more like the Pharisees if we tried. What if Jesus wants to attack your pride through a close friend who points something out in your character? Husbands, what if Jesus wants to attack your pride through your wife? 
or through your kids, or through your in-laws, or what if Jesus wants to attack your pride through your boss? What if Jesus wants to attack your pride through the police officer that pulled you over for speeding? <laughs> what if Jesus wants to attack your pride through some Facebook friend who called you out on something? Like, what if, if Jesus wants to attack your pride through another person, will you even know it? Or will you fight? Ooh. All right, we're going to wrap it up. So here's the Pharisees. The Pharisees are like the classic bad guy of the New Testament, but they're not that bad. Jesus spent a lot of time with the Pharisees, and they didn't try to kill him. It wasn't until he, like, started picking on the Sadducees, they were like, oh, you got to die. <laughs> the Pharisees were okay. A, a lot, go back and listen to the lesson we did last year. A lot of Jesus' disciples came from that sect of, of Judaism. There's a lot of Pharisees in the twelve. And so Jesus saw, like, man, these guys love the word. They love God. They have so much on straight. Here is just a few things that I am going to point out so that they can be even better. And that was Jesus' whole ministry. Like, hey, Pharisees, you're doing great. Just don't think you're exempt from scrutiny. Don't think that you can construct a, a religious environment where no one can come and say, hey, here's where you need to be different. He says, Pharisees, you're doing so good. You love the law. You love the word of God more than anyone I know. The problem is you love it more than you love people. And we got to change that. And then lastly, he says, Pharisees, you're doing such a good job, but you have a case of the oh, I knows. Or you think that you're better than people. You think you know everything. You want the place of honor. And you got to change that. you got to be humble. So I am going to be the example of a humble servant for you. And I want us to just take a sober assessment of our own religious life. And I want us to be honest. Like, in what ways am I totally like a Pharisee? And I look at those things and I'm like, I've totally been that, like, all my, all my spiritual life. All my whole life. Like, I can see all of those things regularly popping up. And I need my relationship with God. I need study of the word. And I need people in my life who can help me with that stuff. And if I don't have those things, things don't go well for me. I start to get out of control and, do, and go crazy. And so I want us to just, like, be honest with ourselves and then get help. Like, the thing I keep saying. Get help from other people in your life. So, with that, I love you guys so much. We got, next week we're going to look at Judas. And then the, the last week will be the last week of this series. And we're going to look at the, the, the most evil bad guy in the entire New Testament. Um, and so with that, James Murtis is going to do our communion for us this morning. Come on up, James. <laughs>